Chris. And I'm Val. And we're going to talk about Second Opinion, Season 3, Episode 7 of The Sopranos. Yeah, we sure are. Um, I guess about halfway through the third season, right? Yep. And we're just coming off of a series of episodes that are pretty impactful. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked about how maybe they kind of function as some kind of trilogy. Like they definitely, all three of those episodes pretty strongly relate to each other. Yeah. And also exhibit pretty strong levels of violence. Yeah. They're also all very violent. At, yeah. At a minimum. Um, but this episode is different. This episode kind of takes us in a different direction, I feel. It's a little bit more expository. Like, it's definitely moving some plot points along as we get towards the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. But it's also way more of, like, a character exploration, I think, also. Yeah. Um, Particularly of Carmela and Junior, I would say. Um, and we get to kind of go back to exploring. Like, we have a lot of psychiatrist scenes in this episode, yeah. right? So we get to go back. And doctors, which, you know, psychiatrists yeah. are doctors. It's personal for those characters. Yeah, it's and I like. Think that it's deepening our understanding of who they are. Yeah. Through like, those kind of yeah, personal links moments. to the mind and the body and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So we can talk about how it, however you want to. Well, how about starting with the title, Second Opinion? Okay. So. You know, as per usual, I think that the titles are typically related to the themes that happen in, in any given episode of the show. So within this episode, you know, we have two characters who are going for a second opinion. Right. And those are, you know, like you said, Carmela and Junior. And I think that it's a really interesting idea. There was a really key line in the episode for me where Junior was talking about his experience with Dr. Kennedy. And he says, you don't get these maybes. Right. And... For me, that was when he was going for his second opinion from another doctor. And for me, that was important because I think that there's such a need for closure and a lack of abstraction in the show that all these characters want black and white answers mm-hmm. and they want something definite. Mm-hmm. And I think that Corrado got that from Kennedy and he liked that. And so this idea of going for a second opinion is difficult for him because it challenges him. And I think that a lot of the characters in this show struggle from... The, their worldview being challenged. Yeah. And so there's a need for closure and there's a need for absolutes. So similarly with Carm, when she goes for a second opinion by actually following up with the psychiatrist she, who's referred to her. She gets absolutes from him. But they're definitely very challenging. Totally. They definitely challenge her entire worldview that she's been able to hold not only up until now in the show, but for her entire life. Yeah. 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 And so I think that that's a really interesting concept, this idea of going for a for a second opinion mm-hmm. and challenging maybe what you already believe mm-hmm. and maybe figuring out where to go from where you are. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people go for second opinions because they don't like what they hear the first time. Right. And so they're looking for someone who's going to tell them what they want to hear. I feel like that's like, or at least like some different options. I don't know. So for me, like, particularly in Carmela's situation, I, I don't think that's what she wanted to hear at all. Right. From Melfi, she did get this, like, when she went to Melfi's on her own, she got this kind of, like, more true to, more true to what she believes about Tony kind of explanation, right? Like, with his mental health issues or with, you know, like, why he's staying home that day. Oh, it's because we really, like, hit a button or whatever she says, right? Mm -hmm. So it actually is a lot more fitting to what Carmela, I think, like, the excuses that she already makes for Tony. Yep. Um, 
and I want to talk more about Which that later. Which is interesting but... to think about too is Melfi being Tony's psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Like, what is her role in his life of kind of investigating his psyche if he's kind of, if she's kind of making excuses as well for she him? She totally is, and I mean, I love that scene where she um, she's like, "Oh yeah, Tony was really upset by that guy who." died in the garbage compactor and Carmela's like did he say that it was a garbage compactor and she's kind of like hmm and he didn't yeah right like he never said that so she's telling herself stories yeah about Tony Soprano as well yeah that are impacting like the kind of seriousness of her treatment of him I also don't think she knew about the strip club. Like, Carmela's like, you right. know, he does his business out of a strip club. Like, what do you think he's doing? I don't think that Melfi knew that. There was kind of this, like, glimmer on her face mm-hmm. with that. And I can't remember Tony ever, like, telling her that. Right. So. And why would he? Right. I mean, that's not self-serving for him. No, exactly. Yeah, in terms exactly. Of getting sympathy. So, yeah. So I thought that was, that was an interesting session with Melfi. And then she refers Carmela to someone who taught her. Yeah. Right? But this guy is way different from Melfi, Krakor. Yeah. Um, he's, yeah, he's interesting. It's funny, like, to, like, kind of think about, like, what Melfi might have learned from him or what maybe she should have learned from him in some ways. But um, he's this, like, really black and white guy. But in a way that we almost never see in the show. In a yeah. way that makes him almost a completely novel character yeah. for Sopranos. Like we haven't really seen anybody who is that dedicated to absolute morality. Yes. In fact, he's absolute but in a realm that we've almost never seen explored yeah. in the show. Yeah. And I mean like is there absolute morality? I would argue probably no. Probably not, but still like the but code he, that he, he takes lives a by is moral. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, like, not taking Carmela's money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and she's like, that's something new or whatever. And it she's is like, for us in this show. Yeah. Because yeah. every, everyone else in this episode well, doesn't in this care. Entire world. In this yeah. world. Yeah. Doesn't care, right? Um, but, yeah, he, he comes off really, really strong. Um, you know, in some ways not dissimilar to maybe. And I, I'd be curious to know, like, Meadow kind of, gives Carmela a little piece of her opinion on her and Tony's relationship, right? And Carmela's actually, I think, like, at that point, like, kind of open to hear what she has to say, right? Because she is. She just came from Melfi's office. She is kind of investigating Mm -hmm. these issues of their relationship. Like, I think she's actually genuinely asking. I don't think she's just being like, oh, tell me what you think, Meadow. Right. You know, I think she's actually saying, like, how do you see... Yeah. Our relationship. At the same time, I think Meadow is wise to not touch that with the 10-foot pole. Sure. And she does say, <laughs> I, I'm not touching that one. Um, but she does she does capture that accommodational pretense mm-hmm. part, which does sound like it came from last night's homework, for right. sure. Um, which then Krakower later also talks about, but he uses much stronger language, right? Like he says, like, you're an accomplice or an enabler. Right. At a minimum, you're an enabler. Yeah. At the most, you're yeah. an accomplice. Um, so I just thought, I don't know. I just thought that was, there was some interesting. Definitely. I, I, I thought it was interesting too, what he said in terms of many patients want to be excused for their predicament for what happened in their childhood. Yeah. Saying that that's what American psych, psych- They're looking psychiatry for... is, has been reduced yeah. to. And at the end of the day, it seems like his student is, you know, kind of a psychiatrist who is, who is doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in some ways, like it's interesting, like to think that Melfi learned from him because like Freudian psychology is all about that. I mean, it's not all about that, right. but that's a, an essential element of it. Right. Um, it's like what it's based on. It's foundational to 
psychoanalysis, right. really, in that Freudian kind of area. So it's interesting. Like, I, I know we, we never see this guy again. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, but I'd like Spoiler, to... Spoiler, Carmela does not take his tough advice. That would probably be best <laughs> well, for everybody. Hey, I didn't say that. I just said that we never see the psychiatrist saying, again. Right. She doesn't do exactly what he says. Um, Plenty of things will happen. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wonder, like, what led him to that, right? Because clearly, like, he comes from this tradition of valuing that, like, you know, you know, not making, I guess not, like, I guess he's not saying that he doesn't value that, but he's <clears throat> saying, like, he, p- people don't get excused right, based on it, mm-hmm. right? But I, I wonder, like, yeah, like, he's an old guy, right? He's been married for 31 years. Yeah. Like, um, maybe things in his experience led him to kind of, you know, establish this more moral, yeah. morally unambiguous um, method to his treatment. Yeah. Because um, I think that like, characters are always looking for excuses, right? And getting a second opinion, like I said earlier, like I feel like that is like you're just looking for someone to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, and having having it out, right? Having yeah. you know, like, oh, it's because of your childhood. You're like, great, yeah. you know, like, yeah. nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting. Anyways, I find him an interesting character. I love the use of paintings in different people's offices mm-hmm. in this episode. So in his um, in Krakauer's in Krakauer's office, we see behind him a painting just of water, right? Which I think is fascinating because they've always been tying water to like the afterlife and yeah. eternity so strongly in the show, particularly in the season finale of season two the last shot is actually just of water yeah similarly to what's in the frame is just water yeah and it's almost as if this character has a grasp and a comfort and an understanding of like a higher plane or something yeah of, like a, that. of a higher plane and um that really isolates him and differentiates him from a lot of the other professionals that we have in the show yeah and even and also Carmela referring to the artwork in Melfi's office. Right. Which is really interesting because there they talk about there is, you know, a farm. Yeah. And also these statues. The statues are yeah. really prominent of, of women. And I think that Melfi's office really is this feminine space. And she does bring like a feminine perspective, I think, to Tony's issues. That's interesting. But then also the landscapes aren't as not abstract but not as kind of like ethereal they're actually quite literal like Mm -hmm. there's like a barn Mm -hmm. tony manages to misinterpret it early on in season one but they are more literal for instance than than just you know some of the other things that we see or or the like the abstract in the second opinion of the doctor that we go to see right like the abstract paintings there or the you know just photos in kennedy's office so a lot of the time like we kind of get a window into who people are based on what's on their walls Mm mm-hmm I think there's something deeper about the stuff in Melfi's office, though. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, and I'm still trying to kind of wrap myself around it. Um, I want to go back to Krakor's office, mm-hmm. though, first, if you don't, if that's yeah, of okay. Course. So, like, with the pictures of the water and stuff like that, they deal in that session a lot with religion, right? And it, like, yeah. really does challenge... Um, you know, like Carmela is focused on the fact that he's Jewish. He kind of turns that and he's like, it's kind of irrelevant, right? Yeah. Like, and he, he is dealing on this like higher moral plane, maybe even than religion yeah. does. Um, 
but she talks she talks about her Catholicism basically as almost an out for why she hasn't left Tony. Yeah. Right? Like it is kind of this excuse. And she this is not her second opinion, right? Yeah. Like we know she's gone to Father Phil, who told her something different, right? Yeah. Which was more fitting with how she like she wants to feel like she's helping Tony, yeah. right? She wants to feel like he's redeemable. She wants to feel like she is doing the right thing from a religious standpoint by staying, right? Because it doesn't, she doesn't have to then question her complicity or yeah. being an accomplice in that, right? Like she can like make an excuse that that's what, um, that's the reasoning, even the moral reasoning behind it, right? Is that yeah. she's doing that. So I feel like in that session, they're dealing really with these like larger, um, like kind of existential issues, if you mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Um, in Melfi's office, I don't know the way I kind of interpreted it because like I see both Carmela and Melfi in some ways as complicit with Tony's mm-hmm. poor behavior. Right. I don't know. That's not a very strong way of putting it. But um, when Carmela's between the statue's legs. Mm-hmm. She's looking at the statue really critically, and she doesn't like, she doesn't like that statue, she right? Even, she yeah, says she it. mentions that. She really, she doesn't like that statue, and I think it is like it's kind of. Again, I'm trying. I'm still trying to work it out, but I think it is saying something about women, and I think it's something about the way that Tony's able to manipulate women, maybe more so than than men, or at least she's like critical of Melfi's. Um, I don't know, like Melfi's treatment of him as a woman, as someone who is like a little bit more, is less, um, takes less of a hard line on issues. Similarly to Carmela, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think there's something about that statue and something about like being between those legs or whatever that Carmela can see herself in, but also like is critical of Melfi for being Mm -hmm. this way. Yeah. Um, I'm not again. I'm not yeah. quite sure, but for me, there there is something about like femininity and women. Totally. And then... Well, and also, I mean, just as a reminder too, like the very first shot of this entire show is Tony in between those legs, mm-hmm. looking kind of confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was really interesting to to have the exact same shot duplicated for Carmela because there's a few things that I think that that does. First of all, there's this perspective that is now different. So the implications of Tony being seen between the legs is different for Carmela than it was yeah. for Tony. Yeah. For Tony, I think a lot of it had to do with his relationship with his mother and how that kind of framed and influenced and impacted his life. With Carmela, I think it's more nuanced and broad, just in terms of like the way that we are seeing her in this feminine mm-hmm. space. I think that there's a lot more to consider. Mm-hmm. Also, though, what I think it does is this show starts off with Tony. We see Tony and we see him within, you know, this composition Mm -hmm. of being between the legs. The fact that we're now seeing Carmela the same way, I think opens her up to becoming one of the key players and one of the key characters on this show. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that they're really establishing her as a main character. And whereas we talked about a little bit at the very beginning of the show is Tony almost being like a narrator and being at the center of the world, it's really kind of broadening now to Mm -hmm. where we have like multiple key characters Mm -hmm. who are being developed to that level. Well, even the fact that we see like Carmela in her own private psychiatry session, right? Like it is. It's like um, we have more points of view than we did at the very beginning of the show. 
Um, and that's not something that we have the benefit of witnessing for most characters. No. Is that psychological domain? No. Because some a lot of the time it's referenced. People will have just like a tiny throwaway line, like Tracy did in university. Yeah. You know, talking about oh my mother and the burner. Yeah. And that's it. That's all we ever get. But now we're actually like delving into who Carmela is. Yeah. Beneath the surface. Well, we also get a glimpse into her early on in the episode when they're having Sunday dinner. Right. So she basically excuses both AJ and Tony mm-hmm. from actively participating in the family. Yeah. Right. Like Tony has to go to work. AJ allegedly has homework to do. Yeah. Um, and she she excuses them both. Her mother doesn't excuse either of them. Right. Her mom is like mad at Tony for leaving. Yeah. And then when AJ's like, can I be excused too? She's the one who immediately jumps out and says no. Yeah. Right. So we can see kind of their differences there, yeah. too. And then we get this glimpse into Carmela that we haven't had before, that her mom, at least, wanted her to marry, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Angelo Stampta. Angelo Stampta. <laughs> or something like that. Um, who's a pharmacist, right? That there was this guy. And this must, like, I don't even know how long ago this would have been. Like, <laughs> let's call it at least, like, 22 years right. or something like that, that there was this guy right. that wanted to marry Carmela. But her mom's holding on to this. And Carmela then says some really interesting things. She's like, she's like, you guys get a free pass, yeah. right? Like, you get a lot from Tony. We get, we, for the first time, understand that um, Carmela's dad is, I guess, some kind of developer mm-hmm. and that, that yeah. he gets preferential contracts and things like that because of his connection with Tony um, and changes to residential zoning laws or whatever. Right. Um, but then Carmela says, like, you guys get a free pass. I earn it. Yeah, which is interesting for me that mm-hmm. she she views it as her earning it. Mm-hmm. That yeah, she sees it as like putting in work to get something, mm-hmm. which is actually like strangely transactional, and I think indicative of maybe who she is in totally. a lot of ways. Totally, right? Like, um, we know she goes through a lot, right? Yeah. Like, we know that Carmela's life in some ways is really challenging, and she brings those things up in her therapy sessions, both with Melfi and with Krakor. Yeah. Um, about Tony's cheating, about his violent behavior, right? Like, so we know that this is not something that she doesn't bother her, right? She's not cold to it or like recognize, like she doesn't think her, she doesn't think that she's not compromising anything, but I think she really knows what she gets from it too. Like she says it outright. She says, I earn it, right? And so we see that with this, you know, $50,000 for the, Mm -hmm. um, for Columbia's black marble donors wall or whatever. Yeah. That, like, that's something that, you know, like, she can manipulate. And I think it's something that she gets manipulated for. For instance, like, when the mm-hmm. dean's talking yeah. to her and he's talking about, you know, the wall. Oh, your name will be on the wall. Talking about the tax benefits when it's passed off. Like, he can recognize that and manipulates her need for self-fulfillment and mm-hmm. self-gain. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's also a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. But, you know, she, like, she is complicated, right? So, like, oh, yeah, you know, well, obviously, that's, like, understatement of the year. But, um, you know, she struggles with seeing him, like, even though she talks about his cheating and whatever, she still calls him a good man and a good father. Right. Right? And Krakor kind of pushes her on that, which, yeah. you know, spoil, again, she doesn't go back. I mean, yeah. there's lots of reasons why she wouldn't go back, right? Yeah. That, like, challenges her on a really deep level that I don't think she's willing to be challenged on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the art, though. We, we kind of started there yeah. with the art. So you mentioned the art then in the Second Opinion doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about it? 
Well, just like the abstraction that's there. Right. Like he's not giving the same kind of clear-cut answers that Kennedy was. Right. And so, and Junior wanted that. And obviously, right. like things are complicated and made more difficult when there's like a lot of factors that are introduced and a complicated answer. And right. I think that this show's constantly dealing with that. None of these characters want anything that challenges just a simple, absolute answer. Yeah, I just wonder, like, between... So, like, the comparison between... Uh, what's his name? Dr. Meta? Something like that? I think so. Um, between his office and then Dr. Krakower's office, right? Because, like, is water... Like, how does the water thing relate to, like, absolutes? Crack up for Krakower? yeah. And then versus these absolutes. I don't actually think yeah. of the water so much as reflecting absolutes for yeah. him as just kind of like reflecting that higher plane. Okay. Okay. Because I think that they've 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 established this the symbolism of water in this show right. pretty strongly, particularly right. in season two. Right. As they have with like just nature and the outdoors yeah. and greenery. And uh, I think that it's there just kind of means that he's tapped into something that actually these characters are very uncomfortable with. Yeah. Like Tony okay. Tony is actually often like very put off by scenes of nature mm-hmm. or water. And mm-hmm. I think that that's because they're not comfortable within this domain of like mm-hmm. of values. Well, like yeah. we see with the big Billy Bass right. fish, yeah. right? Like that obviously makes him very uncomfortable. Yeah. Which because it reminds him of pussy, right? But he he also, like, you know, just like Carmela does, right? Like, he feels like he's taking care of Angie Bump and Sierra, right? Yeah. He's, like, making this excuse that Pussy was working with the FBI. Yeah. And he's, you know, not in witness protection. But, you know, yeah. that's, like, he can write it off that way. Um, he's not able to face those big moral questions of like what of was killing pussy right right, right. he ha- if someone told him that like if he went to dr krakower yeah you know he wouldn't be able to deal with that whatsoever yeah um because killing someone would not jive and you can see how he lies to himself to rationalize yeah. the situation and make yeah. himself feel like he did the right thing there what about the art then in Dr. John Kennedy's office? Well, I thought that it was interesting that Corrado was like saying that he could submit it to National Geographic and like kind of fawning over it because it yeah. really didn't come across as particularly amazing photography. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but it, yeah, but again, it's like it's literal, you know, yeah. kind of like we we're talking. I was talking about like the barn kind yeah. of situation in Melfi is like maybe like a middle ground. Like that's like mm-hmm. really just documenting places and yeah. people. Yeah. Also, like, kind of lauding his uh, ego. Right. But. And yeah, if there's one thing that if uh, we could really get into in this episode is how much of a dick Dr. Kennedy is. Yeah. They really play that card pretty strong. Anybody who uses the, the phrase watch and learn twice in an episode, yeah. it's a real dick. Well, I guess four times because both times he says watch and learn, watch and learn. <laughs> That's even worse. Yeah. Oh, no. He's a, he's a real dick. I don't um, think there's any ambiguity about the fact that he's a dick. No. No, he's really not. But yeah, no, I was interested by like because we visit you know four doctors' offices mm-hmm. in this episode, so I just thought that was interesting yeah. there. Um, what else? What else do you want to talk well, about? Well, um, I just, think I think of anything. I'm just gonna think of anything on, to do with Carmela. We were ta- yeah, so yeah, like yeah. on what we were talking about, I think that something changes for her too because, like Krakauer says. You can never say somebody didn't tell you so. Right. And so I think that in the, the fact is that like in the end of the episode when she is depressed on the couch and 
turns it into, I told him we're giving him $50,000 and is able to finagle that out of Tony, she actually is fully complicit now. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is a turning point for her as a mm -hmm. character because it's true. Nobody has told her that before. That's but true. now somebody yeah. has. Yeah. And uh, the fact that she would go forward and almost respond to depression in the same way Tony does of just kind of like shutting down and have other people look after her and manipulate it for her own self gain is interesting yeah. because she's received that information and then that's how she responds to it. Um, I also thought it was like beautiful and I don't know if this was their intention but with Krakauer who comes across for me as like an incredibly important character who is offering the information that I feel like we don't hear and if you go outside the realm of The Sopranos mm -hmm. is what is actually like right and mm -hmm. correct and mm -hmm. what we need. Mm -hmm. And yet there's still something where they, in the small amount of dialogue that he has, they can still kind of make him like a complicated character that has many sides to him. Because for me, when he was bringing up Crime and Punishment and then name, name dropping Dostoyevsky, it's like, oh God, like now we have another yeah. like pretentious person on this show. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. just like an unnecessary thing. And actually I feel like he was misreading the situation with Carmela. Yeah. To actually connect with her. Yeah. And it was unnecessary. Like it kind of has some of those great Noah Tenenbaum aspects that oh, you love so I love, much. I know. I love that. I was thinking, I was like, oh, like I wonder if Dr. Kennedy was as big of a dick as Noah Tenenbaum, but. I think he's a bigger dick than Noah Tenenbaum. I think he's a lesser dick I mean, than Noah Tenenbaum. Noah Tenenbaum really pushed your yeah. buttons, but. Uh, <laughs> I think Kennedy yeah. is like a worst case scenario of grown up Noah Tenenbaum. Yeah, he, no, he's totally a grown up <laughs> Noah Tenenbaum. Um, there, was, there was a couple. As, actually, as yeah. Polly says, I guess you could call that a dick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few more things with Carm though. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. At the beginning of the episode, she's the one, she's saying, "I'm not the one who needs mental help," which is also reflective of her relationship with psychiatry mm -hmm. and coming from a different generation where it still is kind of stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Well, um, what do you think of when we see her? Sorry, finish your yeah. thought. Yeah, and finish your thought. where I was going to go with that is actually the scene where we see her at the supermarket with Angie Boncancero mm -hmm. is really interesting because clearly she does need some mental help. Mm -hmm. And actually the fascinating thing that they do in that shot is they set her up and she's looking very kind of contemplative and sad over and melancholy meat. over pot roast, mm -hmm. which is actually like now they're tying it to... Tony's psychological journey, right? right so right, to right, his right. meat, there's actually something like, there's like a direct parallel. So to his meat. There's like a trigger. <laughs> Not his meat, but his meat problems. <laughs> <laughs> but she's there, you know, and then could, you know, could possibly be triggered by some of the same sure, things. Sure, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you what you thought about her smoking outside when she... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lack of control. I think a lot of the yeah. time characters in this show smoke when they don't have control over their situation. Yeah. And clearly she doesn't right there. I mean, she she lies to Tony mm -hmm. about who she's on the phone with. Yeah. And she's calling somebody who, and I think it, re it relates to the statement that she made of, I'm not the one who needs mental help. She doesn't feel comfortable doing this. She feels like there's something wrong with her. Yeah. And so I think she's, you know, a little bit out of her comfort zone. Yeah. I love that scene where she's waiting for Meadow outside of Meadow's yeah. door. And, like, Meadow's just inside there asleep, which is also, like... Yeah. I don't know. Meadow... I don't know. We'll talk about Meadow in another episode. But um, she... That scene is really powerful, I think, because it really does show... Like, we often see Carmela putting on... Um, like, just, like, presenting herself in, herself in a certain way. Yeah. But we actually start to see her both in that scene at the grocery store and when she's sitting in Meadow's 
dorm yeah that she just has this kind of like lost look on her face like she's just like staring blankly into space and contemplating right and we know that just like tony contemplates his meat yeah um we also know that tony has a lot of complications how do you say that (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) he also contemplates um his kids a lot right and so like her sitting out there and Mm. like waiting for meadow or like you know seeing herself as investing in meadow's future Mm -hmm. or her security i think she Mm -hmm. puts it as at some point right um there's some overlap also there with tony it's also interesting to think that her worldview includes like needing to pay off columbia or invest in columbia or give them a sum of money to ensure meadow's future yeah because the reality is is that meadow should fully be in control of that yeah and she should be the one who's dictating how her life goes based on the work that she puts in and what she does i mean she's had every privilege so i mean she's in a very fortunate situation to be able to do whatever she wants yeah but the still like the idea that you would need to like kind of bribe or like pay yeah. off for somebody to succeed I think is is indicative of like how they see the world yeah I don't yeah I don't all like necessarily get that drive to do like why karm is so adamant about it mm-hmm. um because it is a she, huge, she it has, is a huge sum of money right yeah. like it's more than they give to Magnum and Day. who knows would that be every year like that establishes yeah. a precedent um and so again it just seems like a huge amount of money i mean we know like tony pulls five thousand dollars out of his wad of bills and throws them on the bed um like it it wouldn't be that great amount of money for them yeah i don't think yeah but like she's really adamant about it and even though she's like she sees meadow sleeping in or whatever she still feels like this is the right thing Mm -hmm. to do so yeah. Like for what? For the, like your name listed amongst other donors on this in part. Black I mean, I wall? think that she has a weird. She's in a weird moment where she's really affected by Meadow leaving home mm-hmm. and perhaps actually AJ not being there. Mm-hmm. Her depression really seems to kick in when the kids aren't there at all, mm-hmm. and I think that that makes her question who she is and what she has. Mm-hmm. Like the scene where AJ comes back and Carm's kind of like fawning over him and saying, "You know, it's the longest we've ever been apart." Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I really think that, like, she is missing something right now from her relationship with her kids and where they are in their life, and she's looking to, like, fill that void Yeah. in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Like, I don't know. Like, she's... Carmela's obviously someone who's, like, interested in... I don't know how to say it. Like, more philosophical thought, I guess. Like, she is interested in religion, for example. I mean, to some extent. She's interested in this book that Meadow has about the theory of the leisure class. Right. Um, But then she also reads, like, we see her reading Memoir of a Geisha, and she reads Barbara Kingsolver in this episode. Um, She's kind of constrained by, you know, this life. Even so, though, I mean, she's reading. She's reading. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is more than you can say Tony, for like, almost Tony, all other characters. I mean, maybe if Tony were in jail, he would read Crime and Punishment. But, right. For eight years. But reflect I, and seek redemption. Yeah. I don't know that he would ever pick up a book um, right. these days. Um, yeah. I have yeah. Another thing with Carmela that was interesting is like when she sees Angie and she goes to Tony, you yeah. kind of get the feeling that she's looking out for Angie and yeah. talking to Tony to have Tony give her more money for her dog's yeah. um, surgery. Yeah. But or whatever it is, his dog's medical treatment. Yeah. But it's interesting because in the end, 
of the episode, that empathy kind of changes to self-gain when she's saying, well, you know, you have money for Angie Bomb and Sarah and God knows yeah. how many widows. So, like, her as a character is complicated because I think that she can be manipulative. Yeah. That she can use, like, values and empathy actually in the end actually for her own self-gain. Yeah. Like, she actually kind of manipulates those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Just, what, like, briefly just about Angie. Yeah. Do you think she's actually hard up for cash or do you think she's just completely playing Tony? Because when we see her so, at the grocery store, I believe her when she says, like, things are hard. I think hard. that that's how she feels. Yeah. I don't think that she's – I don't know. You could make an argument. I don't think that she's but she does trying have to this manipulate. Catalog. It's true. And her dog does look fine when he comes outside. Right. Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. Hard to read. Ambiguous. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, though, that, like, Tony – breaks her car because i mean her car and cars are something that like that was pussy's business Mm -hmm. so there's actually something like very direct about like bashing that yeah and also later on in the show an incredibly minor spoiler that i can't imagine anybody would care about but angie you know starts to actually work with you know in the like in the car business she actually like has like an auto shop so like there is a continuation of that yeah and that is important for that family yeah so there's something actually yeah but like tony like destroying that as a message mm-hmm. that's really interesting totally totally um, um i wanted to talk about junior okay a little bit uh because we start the episode with this junior's you know anesthesia anesthesia induced dream right right which is pretty funny um and then we see him going through this process we see him idolizing this dick of dr john kennedy yeah right just because he has the same name as jfk basically um i mean i think it's more i mean he also like provides closure well he also is one of these like unambiguous person like this is the course of treatment and that's that right like um you know i think he's like a kind of like 1950s style man yeah he's a doctor and he golfs and he's white (laughs) and you know like has like traditional respect in society and even though he's like a huge asshole and only looks out for himself that's like almost a positive yeah yeah um but then we see him like you know like i mean i don't know if it was um a mistake of dr kennedy that there was you know tissue left or whatever that they didn't take out in that first surgery like i don't know if like right it was his treatment that wasn't effective or, or what. But we see Junior, um, I love when he like has Bobby come into the office with him, yeah. you know, to like get to be there for him. And then yeah. Tony later on, um, he's grappling with these larger issues of, yeah. you know, his body and his health mm-hmm. and, you know, like see, you know, sees himself, you know, he really doesn't want to be sickly, right? Yeah. He wants to be better. Yeah. And chemo, even though, like, you know, it might be an effective treatment, like, it does make you sicker before it makes you better. Yeah. In a lot, or at least in the physical ways yeah. that you experience, yeah. right? Um, I also love it with that, like, the emphasis on when does Junior get to start to eat mm-hmm. normally again? Because yeah. he, like, really chides Bobby for asking that in the office. But it's obviously a big deal for Bobby, right? Like, right. his life is... A lot about food, right? Um, but, but even but he also, too. but it's also caring about Junior, right? Yeah. Like it's like his, like he's all, like he's cooking for Junior and stuff like yeah. that. And then Tony also asks Junior that later when he comes by after Junior's right. making this like disgusting milkshake of meat, meat. milk, milk, milk meat, um, which is disgusting. <laughs> Who doesn't um, love meat milk? And you know, and then we have Junior, of course, like throwing up, yeah, with the chemo, right? So like really even like not able to keep normal food yeah. in his body, even a milkshake, right? Yeah. Um, a real one from 
Baskin Robbins, right. I think. Um, yeah. But um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I find the whole thing interesting. It's interesting also because we do see like other references later in the show to JFK and to the mm-hmm. Kennedys, right? Yeah. So his kind of obsession with all things, um, I don't know, not histor- historical is not the right word, but like maybe nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like you said, that like 50s man yeah. kind of thing. Um, I think that that comes back to us again in other episodes. Yeah. So I just wanted to pay attention to it. And yeah. Yeah, I feel like from his dream, too, there's kind of like a specter of the FBI and law enforcement Mm -hmm. that hangs over this episode. Mm -hmm. Like, he's seeing the FBI. There was more, too. Like, so in Junior's dream, AJ mentions the FBI at the dinner table. And Tony says, so what? And then Carmela actually, like, gives him that CIA article. So, yeah, I feel like that's just kind of, like, always in the background for these characters. Yeah. Um. I have Car- Carmela's mom talking about Tony's two moods of moping or yelling, which I thought was interesting to think about, like, how in this show there often is, like, kind of, like, two sides to something, and mm-hmm. it can be simplified, or a need or a want, a desire to simplify things mm-hmm. to, like, absolutes on either end of the spectrum. But, like, even though in some ways you could see how Carmela's mom is correct in asserting that, that Tony does have this, like, moping or yelling side, and it actually is kind of astute, the reality is that actually he is like a much more complicated character that we're privy right. to and that we can see. Right. Um, but at the same time, it is an issue. Like a lot of the time he is just walking around the house moping or yelling. Yeah. It does basically. kind of get reduced to that. Even in his workplace, he's usually either moping or yelling. Yeah. Um, what do you think about, or do you have anything else on those guys? I was going to ask you a different question. Uh, what's your question? Well, I was going to ask you about Christopher and Polly. Right. Um, I was going to ask you what you think about the size 10 shoes. Right. I liked it. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But like, like, I think it does say something about men. <laughs> right. Well, um, I think that they're, <laughs> they're focused like, on so many things, but they're clearly not focused on their partners and mm-hmm. who they are. Because like, even the fact that they round it, to a round number mm-hmm. I think means something to me yeah. that like they just kind of like hold on to it as something that like is so simplified and yeah. incorrect is yeah. interesting but it's also I don't know again it's one of these things I'm still trying to figure out because we just come in here right after so sometimes my brain doesn't work fast enough but there's something about like because the women right so like whoever Polly's partner is that we've seen maybe it's the same yeah. woman that we've seen before who has the kids I'm not mm-hmm. sure um, and then, of course, Adriana, like, they are anxious to accept these gifts that clearly don't come from anywhere good, right? right. Like, these are stolen Jimmy Choo's. Yeah. Um, they're next season's Jimmy Choo's yeah. or whatever. You can't even buy them. You so can't there's even. there's really no <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> yeah, like, so and it's not these? like you didn't know, right? Um, but that there's always something kind of, like, wrong with the gift, if that makes any sense. So, like... Mm. Like it's never, I don't know. I, I'm still, tr- I'm still struggling mm-hmm. to grapple with it. But like that, it's uh, like the gift is is symbolic, and like I think like the guys feel like they are doing something nice right. by doing that. But what did it really cost them to get it? Yeah. Well, what? Well, especially like Christopher then says like, "Oh, now it's going to come out of my pocket, right?" When right. he has to get these yeah. larger sizes, like they Smaller don't. Smaller sizes. Well, yeah, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> larger than ten. Oh my, my god. Gosh, Sasquatch she is a Sasquatch. Size. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even eight and a half is pretty big for someone of her size. Yeah. 
but <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like that there's always something like even though like yeah like they get this stuff and they think to give it to their partners it's like not really right even this fifty thousand dollars that then like you know tony decides you know or, or is convinced into giving to columbia um like i don't know if that's like a really good investment for them like i don't know if that's no. really you know like to get your name on this wall yeah i don't know um does that really guarantee any kind of security for meadow i, I, don't kind, think I so. doubt it yeah. i mean i don't know how ivy league universities work but i don't know how that world works yeah <laughs> fifty thousand dollar donations i think yeah i think they probably maybe it does get. actually maybe it does i don't know they're think... probably right they're probably sadly correct yeah <laughs> well, that's gross but yeah i don't know anyways I'll, I'll keep thinking about it but there's definitely for me something there that like both guys got their partner's shoe size wrong right um and then I think the stuff with Polly and, and Chris in this episode is this is really a great funny. dynamic, yeah. Their dynamic is really great, and we get mm-hmm. to see it later in this season yeah. at its peak, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah, Polly's a weirdo. Definitely a weirdo. Yeah. Big weirdo. Yeah. I have my biggest um, revelation from this episode, mm. which is that Tony Hale, Buster from Arrested Development, is a chemotherapy technician in this episode. He is. Perhaps one of the strangest appearances I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> when like, when is this in contrast to Arrested Development? Oh, God. I don't know. Catching me off guard. I, yeah. I, don't I mean, like, not that far off in time, I don't think. Like, I think this probably now we're, we're probably at around 2000. Like, we're in the year yeah, 2000. Yeah. In the show. Like, in the show. Happening. Yeah. Or probably when it was filmed. later, probably, yeah, like... But Arrested yeah. Development was, like, 2003, maybe. Right, so... You know. Interesting. But, yeah. yeah, it's so weird when you see those things happen. He doesn't yeah. even have a line. He just, like, looks up. There's and... other Arrested Development characters that show up, I think, in this show, too. Will Arnett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, did you have anything... Else? No, that was that was my most important thought. Oh, okay. I thought that that really cracked there the There was whole, also orange juice open. with extra pulp. I know. I wasn't even going to touch it. I, I know. I, it's, I don't even know if it was like really re- relevant to the <laughs> symbolism that they've used in the past or is used in other film. No. But, but we definitely maybe. Do see a lot maybe of our I just can't juice. figure it out. <laughs> um, loved the episode. Loved it. It's a good show. We Sopranos recommend Sopranos. Sopranos is a good show. So keep um, on watching. Yeah. If you have any suggestions for us, mm-hmm. um, feel free to email us. Yeah. In at the end podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. If you do listen to this all the way to the end. Yeah, we appreciate it. Just let us know. Yeah, and we'll talk to you then.